0: Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do this without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herff Jones. Varsity Brands. Elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our Platinum sponsors. Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs. Bring student achievements to life. Thank you to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast, this time featuring the FIAA Insider. Our guest today is Ernest Robertson Jr., uh, an old friend. Uh, Ernest is the Director of Sports Enrichment and Diversity Admissions at the Palmer Trinity School down in South Florida. Ernest, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. Good to be here, Jake. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, it's our pleasure. Well, as you know, the the life of someone in athletics is uh, always busy, so let's jump right into it. We always like to give our listeners an opportunity to get to know our guests, so Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us uh, you know, where you grew up, where you went to school and college, and, and how you got involved in athletics.
1: Thanks, Jake, again. Thank you for having me. Uh, my story, I'm sure like a lot of athletes, not uh, a lot different. I grew up in uh, Louisiana, a little small town, about 45 minutes outside of Baton Rouge, uh, Louisiana, a little town called Opelousas, Louisiana. Uh, we grew up, <clears throat> uh, didn't have a lot. But where I grew up is three things you did to keep young athletes (laughs) out of trouble. You went to church, uh, you went to school, and of course, you played sports. So I grew up playing sports uh, every season. I played uh, football, basketball, uh, and ran track. The only days I ever got off uh, were Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, I was fortunate to be a really talented uh, athlete. So I had a lot of honors going through high school, all district, all parish, all state. I was a four-year state finalist in track and four events. Um, I high jumped 400, 800 meters, anchored the mile relay. Um, So I was uh, very fortunate and sports kept me out of trouble and my coaches uh, kept uh, an eye on me. Uh, I was selected to play in Louisiana uh, all-star game in football and basketball at the time that was Pretty new, I don't think anybody else, I don't know, at least that's what they were telling me. They wrote in a local paper that I was very fortunate to be selected for both. And in Louisiana, the all-star game is, is a big deal. They take the best athletes from the north and south of the state and then they go to LSU and they play. Um, I ended up selecting basketball because I thought I'd have a longer career in football, but I really did love basketball. Um, I was three-sport MVP at my school. I basically won every award um, that they had in, uh, that particular school. So I was very fortunate. Um, I went on uh, to Southern University. That whole uh, experience was amazing, because when you grow up like we do, learning about college and uh, going to college uh, is interesting. So I was recruited by Southern University to play football. Uh, They wanted me to be their starting uh, quarterback, brought me in and asked me, Coach Washington was the head coach at the time, uh, brought me in for that. I told him yes to get a young, I just wanted to be able to play, but I had a love for basketball. Um, And so I went to Southern University to play basketball and football, uh, but was more in love with basketball and leaned that way. Instead of working harder on football, which I was better at, I wanted to play basketball. And so got into the program in basketball and got put on a developmental squad because the gentleman in the position I was playing, uh, Bobby Fields, everybody knows him was a long time, was a pro, and at that time you were gonna go to school for four years, so he was not gonna leave. Uh, But I had, I I learned very early on, and sports helped me, you know, what my calling was, and I believe it was coaching. So stayed a couple of years in sports and decided to focus on coaching. And then I met some very interesting people in college. uh, Coach Chapman, Pokey Chapman, who was, was the head coach at LSU, and then went on, she's now coaching, I think, in the WNBA. Met her and worked with them a little bit and got involved in basketball and then uh, been in love with uh, coaching and, uh, and teaching ever since then.
0: What a, uh, what a great experience that must have been growing up. Well, you, you wrapped up your college career, your playing career, you've gotten into coaching. Um, you know, what were some of your um, early jobs and, and what brought you to fall maternity?
1: Uh, well, anything that would allow me to coach. It was such a passion for me, and I, I felt so fulfilled to be able to do it you know, when you have these goals and ambitions and, and things work out. Um, So I started coaching uh, local teams like AAU teams and travel. And what happened was at that time through college, we had to do a lot of volunteer work as athletes. And one of the organizations I worked with was the, excuse me, the YMCA. And so that's when I first started working with kids, underprivileged kids in small communities uh, got involved with their athletic programs. So every Saturday I was officiating games or, or working with kids. Uh, and then maybe this was my around my junior year, after the first two years of, of trying to make sports work and see if it was going to be something I could earn a living at as a player. Uh, then the last two years working on graduating and focusing on coaching. So then I got involved with the YMCA to the point that they really enjoyed what I did, and they offered me a full-time job. So my first athletic director's position was actually in the YMCA. I was a director of athletics um, for their uh, Varenko Clark branch uh, of the YMCA in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And so I ran all of their sports. Uh, and that's where I started. So I stayed there uh, a couple of seasons. And what really got me involved in the schools is a lot of the work I did in the YMCA when there were schools who didn't have physical education programs. Because most of the schools I worked in initially were high-risk schools. So they didn't have physical education programs. As you know, when schools start to cut budgets, the very first thing they cut are physical education and usually music. So they would cut those programs. So I went in and started a program that would offer physical education uh, to these uh, underprivileged schools in our YMCA facilities because we had a gym and we had summer camp and we had field space. Um, So that's where I got involved in physical education. So I did that uh, at Barranco Clark for a number of years um and then as always they had some budget issues there and I, since I was the last guy in you know was the first guy to go but I was young and so uh, matter of fact that the severance for that was was more better than any it was <laughs> lucrative than any money I earned I was glad uh but then they had budget cuts and so I just put my name out and I got several people interested in hiring me so I took a job in Chicago Illinois as a athletic director at another YMCA down there they they flew me up and interviewed me and loved me and offered me literally on the spot. Uh, I'd never been in Chicago, but I was young, right out of college, I took the job. And that led me to some very interesting uh, moments in my career. So when I went there, I did the same thing. I started working with schools in areas that didn't have physical education programs. Uh, The very first school that um, hired me, actually to work um, as a coach in their school, was uh, Lamont Township High School, a private school, beautiful facilities. I worked there uh, as a coach uh, for a couple of seasons, uh, and then you know, as you do in our business, you know, you know, you can move around a lot. Uh, I wanted to get into a, a better program, a bigger program. That was a small private school, and then I took a job, uh, and this is a really good piece of history for myself. Uh, I took a job at a school called uh, Progressive Ch- uh, Charter School. It was a um, It was a charter school started by these um two young teachers and what's interesting about the school is it's called perspective charter school i'm sorry what was interesting about that is i was the very first head basketball coach at this school anthony davis graduated from that school so i was the first coach to ever or run a basketball program at that school anthony davis graduated from that school now i didn't coach him he later on came through but i was the first uh, head coach there um so i coached at uh those two schools i didn't much like chicago because of the winter there are two seasons in chicago uh, construction and winter and so i, I didn't i didn't like it um, but had some great time worked at some great schools worked with some great programs and then, um, due to family, wanted to come where it was warmer, which led me to uh, Florida. Uh, and when I got here, uh, again, I went directly into working in the public schools. I worked some really tough schools in Miami-Dade. I took a job as an educational mobile unit director. Uh, what we did was take mobile units into these really sh- uh, impoverished areas because we understand through academics that if kids can't read, they struggle. So we took them into, uh, these tough schools and taught the kids how to read and took in famous people, Miss America, Miss Florida, a lot of politicians, a lot of sports figures would come on our mobile unit and read to kids in some of those tough areas. Um, I did that for a number of years. And then one day, a buddy of mine who worked at Palmer Trinity, who knew me when back in my college days, um, asked me would I come on at Palmer and coach with them that he had a, the school didn't have a big history in basketball, but we could turn it around. He had some really good players that were were young. And so I came up, looked at the school. Uh, They hired me as an assistant basketball coach. And I found myself every day making that uh, 90 minute drive in traffic um, down there to coach. And it was the best time of my life, I enjoyed it. I mean, I literally had to get on the road at 215 to be there for 3.30, set up, practice. I loved it. I did that a couple of years and then a position came available as a middle school athletic director they interviewed me and they hired me. And then uh, a couple of years later, I, I would take on the role as the head basketball coach and assistant middle school athletic director, and then chaired the department and then work up to the athletic director. So really, really nice course of work that gave me a lot of great experience.
0: Well, I'm certainly uh you know, familiar with a lot of your work at Palmer. I know, you know, basketball-wise, you had some Final Four teams. Uh, I think many years, uh, um, you know, you uh, you took uh, a group of underachievers and, and got uh, much more out of them than maybe another coach might have. Certainly, you put your stamp on the athletic program these past several years. Uh, now you're starting a new uh, adventure at, at Palmer Trinity as the director of sports enrichment and diversity admissions, you know, uh, tell us about that job and how you see um, that impacting uh, what you could bring to Palm maternity.
1: Thank you. Thank you. That's a great question. I'm at a point now in my career and I think with your experience, you understand, you know, we want to do what we love and what brings us great joy. And so this opportunity for me uh, couldn't be uh, more perfect. Um, I worked for a school a number of years that uh, respect what I've done, so they've allowed me to get involved in the position and basically create it. It's kind of a hybrid of, uh, off of an auxiliary director. So Director of Enrichment, I'm gonna work with uh, and develop programs that help our kids that might not make um, certain athletic teams, and also in the off season and the summers um, to develop sports camps and clinics and things that allow kids um, to learn great lessons uh, through sports, uh, that the diversity um, component of it is now with these social issues that we're, um, we're dealing with, um, hang on, um, now with the social issues that we're dealing with, you need a voice that, um, you know, can help I'm sorry, Jake, I, can't, I hear music in the background, I'm sorry. Great, so um, the, the diversity component again now with these social issues, the school realized that they needed a voice, someone in admissions to help uh, guide some diversity and just help those families because again, these families are coming to a school with a different culture and an admissions process that's pretty rigorous. So just someone, for lack of a better word, to hold their hands, to help them. So we're helping families and kids of color that may be through, um, uh, could be race, could be social economics, anything that makes them different that they might need some attention. So I would uh, help them with that process. Also in our our area, um, maybe uh, highlight those families or talk to families that uh, might have never considered uh, a prep school, let alone an Episcopal school and just make them uh, aware that we're here, what we offer our services are, and to get them uh, involved in that. Um, the most important, or for me, the most rewarding part of what I'll be doing is mentoring coaches and athletes. Um, because I am an education-based uh, believer in athletics. Um, I think what we do now is we, we kind of prepare for the what I call the two percenters uh, the 1% or 2% of athletes that will go on to major universities and, and maybe get paid to play athletics, um, that's not a reality. 98% of student athletes will go on be great professionals and get a good education and maybe become doctors, teachers, lawyers, coaches, whatever it may be. Um, so this part allows me to mentor uh, young people and young coaches um, to do some public speaking, which I love, to get better at it. Um, to work with organizations like the FIAAA, uh, the National Athletic Directors Conference. Uh, I'm working with uh, the Positive Coaching Allow- Alliance. I signed up with them uh, also to do some work. And I still continue to work with the um, Florida High School Athletic Association, uh sectional appeals committee member, and then to be involved with the General Assembly. So that's a lot. But in a nutshell, it's all the things that I uh, really in love doing over a career.
0: And again, just uh, what a great uh, opportunity to develop a program and, and put your stamp on it uh, within the environment of a school that you've been at for now, you know, about 20 years, right?
1: That is correct.
0: Okay. Uh, you and I talked a little bit earlier uh, about COVID. Uh, certainly, it's uh, had an impact in Florida and across the nation. As we look to um, reopen nationally we're seeing all sorts of different models uh this state is going ahead full speed uh this state is uh delaying now, even in florida you know we have a response it's all over the board um what are some things uh that you did this past spring with your student athletes and coaches at palmer trinity and and what do you see your response as a school right now uh under the current florida guidelines how do you see uh uh, Palmer Trinity reopening in the fall? Well, one of the
1: things that uh, the head and the, the, the transition to the new athletic director's done that schools in our area that are like us, you know, the Ransoms, the Gullivers, um, they're going to all uh, meet. So whatever decision that they make, all those same type schools will do the same thing. Um, so they're going to open on the 27th and everybody's going to do that under some, Contingency. So I have some Zoom meetings coming up and I'm gonna figure out what that is and how that plays on, on my new role. Again, my personal opinion is um, we should hold off. I don't think we have enough information. I certainly don't think we, uh, there's too many variables to control and I just don't know if it's safe. And then you're still wondering if you're gonna get all of your student athletes and coaches uh, out to practice sessions uh, to begin, I just don't think it's gonna work. Now, what I did was uh, in the spring, moving into the summer, well actually into the summer, into June, uh, ran a couple of sessions under the new guidelines, um, and, and they went fairly well. So some of the things that we did was, uh, again, uh, the temperature checking, and we had a log uh, check-in by the, um, I brought in a nurse, I brought in my athletic trainer, so they all uh, handle the check-in. We practice social distancing. We use gloves, a lot of hand sanitizing. Uh, we didn't use the locker rooms, but in the locker rooms I put in uh, some glass between lockers if, if someone had to go in. Um, that's for the future. Um, masks, giving coaches portable microphones in their masks so they don't have to take it off to speak to athletes. Um, we looked at, again, some face shields. We looked at uh, sanitizing the whole athlete with the system. And we looked at uh, cleaning off the shoes. We looked at uh, cleaning off shoes and other things. So just a really good uh, plethora of new ideals. Uh, there are ideals coming in every day about you know how to be safer. But the bottom line is, as I read, as I talk on Zoom, as I go through the day-to-day of just living, we're so accustomed to doing things a certain way, we just forget. People forget sometimes to wear masks, people forget all the things that they touch, you know, elevators, corridors, doorknobs. Um, you know, if you fall down, you might put your hand on the ground. Everybody's walked there and you might not think that's a big issue. Um, so little things like that, it's very hard um, to manage in too many moving parts. But again, if they give us the go ahead and we have parents um, that are willing we'll put those safety measures in place uh, and try our best to be safe. But the fear is, you know, you have one case that could shut your program down. And, and again, that's where we are today. We're backed up when, if I believe we had masked and social distance properly and stayed in quarantine, maybe another two weeks, three weeks, that maybe at this point we'd have a different result. We might be able to be back to some kind of normalcy.
0: Yeah, it's certainly a you know, challenging time. Uh, and I don't think any other state uh, is like Florida in our variety of responses. Um, this spring, in addition to COVID, we, always, we also saw, uh, hopefully, an increased awareness regarding uh, social issues. Um, from your perspective, what are some things that we can do as leaders in athletics to, to do a better job of you know responding and being aware of uh, the social issues that you know were at the forefront this past spring.
1: Well, I think the, the first thing is it, we have to just be conscious number one that we have a health crisis and we have social issues. And those two things are not politics. That's the very first thing. A lot of people are confusing the two. And it's not politics. The health issue is a health issue. It affects everybody globally. We have to try to fix this, find a vaccine, remedy it. The social issue is the same thing. That's why globally everybody's gotten involved. Um, I never understood why people need racial information or racial profiling for basic necessities. Like if I'm gonna apply for a job, I'm not sure why you need to know my race for me to apply for a job. So all these things we don't need to do. But I do know that sports is the best catalyst to bring about change because people uh, from different races and economics, faiths, uh, will support a team, will support a city, will support a state, will support a country. Um, So sports can help us and it can help us have the conversation early on because we can have athletes very young and teach them. Uh, about diversity by different athletes, accepting each other, spending time together. It's still the best way to teach life lessons. Things I still go through today, I've learned um, through athletics, having great mentors that uh, that guided me, um, sharing uh, what we call the trenches with teammates from different backgrounds and, and different races. Um, so that helped me learn. So. The way for us to get better is first to understand that um, health issues and social issues are not politics. Uh, Politics is something very different. And when we um, mix the two, we get emotional. And that's what sports is, a lot of sports uh, is very emotional. So when people are emotional, they're not rational. And what you want to do is have a plan that allows athletes to learn from each other and to grow. And, you know, like my granddaddy always said, you know, you want to treat people the way you want to be treated. That's easily said, but oftentimes seems very difficult to do.
0: You just uh, you just mentioned uh, mentors. And uh, in our profession, we know how important it is uh, to have mentors to uh, develop leadership. Who've been some of your uh, mentors? You know, growing up, you mentioned your grandfather, but uh, who've been some of the mentors and leaders that you've had in your career that have got you to uh, where you are today?
1: Um, that's an easy one for me. There are three really distinct mentors that helped me in my life and I still continue to grow. And unfortunately, all three of these mentors of mine have passed away. Um, the very first one, uh, his name was uh, called him coach Gilry, um down in Louisiana. He was my football coach uh, and mentor. He was the first guy that believed in me as a football player. And he walked up to me one day and told me I was going to play the position of quarterback. And again, I had no interest in it. And he said, you're going to do it. And you're going to be good at it because you're a born leader. Um, he saw something in me. I didn't uh, even see myself. His name is Murphy Guillory. He's inducted into the, the Louisiana high school uh, hall of fame. He worked at the same school for over 30 years. Uh, and he was the first person that believed in me. The next person was a teacher. His name was Alvin Shaw. He taught, I, back in those days, he, they taught typing and, and accounting. Um, but he was one of the first teachers uh, that told me I could do anything that I, I wanted to do. And so he got me involved in some programs. And, but he always told me, you, you're smart. You can do whatever you want to do. And then growing up where I grew up, you didn't hear that awful lot. Um, so that really, really helped me with my confidence. And then the last person that was my mentor um, was Mr. Uh, James. James. He went to Leland University, had a deep voice. He'd say, Mr. Robertson, you are going to be <laughs> exciting. Um, but his name was Mr. Philip James, a football player. And uh, he just always talked to me about life. He helped me in college so much. I, I wasn't even sure about a major. And then he told me, you need to learn how to manage people, money, and time. If you can do those things, son, you can do anything. And so when I when he talked to me about that, I immediately uh, majored in accounting and management. And he's been true to this day. I can do anything that I want uh, because I understand how to manage people, money, and time. And so Mr. Philip James um, was my third mentor and, and just really, really a, a good person.
0: Well, appreciate you sharing that. Well, I asked this question of all our guests and uh, I've known you now for 12 years and I think I already know the answer, but uh, um, what are some of your favorite parts about the job of being an athletic director, uh, being involved in athletics? What gets you excited about coming to work each day?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think, you know, you you could put a sign on my desk uh, in front of my door that says students first. Um, I love working with young people. And I really love the art of coaching. I'm not the kind of coach, you know, I love to have talent. Don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, the better the, the, the raw talent is, I think it's like clay, you can mold it. I love to have talent. But I also love the challenge of what my mentors did for me, make some child believe in itself, uh, to find a skill or a talent that was hidden. I love the way we wear the same uniforms, share a meal, travel on the same bus, um, have those conversations about life. I love the whole art of coaching. I now know after 50 years that it is my calling. It is really what I want to do. So when I mentor with athletes and coaches, it's, again, it's still a part of a team. I'm still coaching um, and, and kind of molding. And I love to get to the end result, to have people believe in something and then get there, you know, design it, um, kind of water it like a plant, watch it flourish and get there. I received some really heartwarming uh, notes from my seniors this year that weren't able to finish sports, uh, but two young men sent me a note, and then the, the gist of their note was, thank you for believing in me. Thank you for believing in me, coach, and allowing me to have a great experience. They weren't great athletes, but they're good people. And I also got a call from a parent who said the same thing. Um, her son, you know, she said, thank you for believing in him. Thank you for working with him. Uh, thank you for giving him the confidence. He may never know what you've done for him, but I want you to know that I know. He may never be able to tell you, but I know. Uh, and that's why I do what I do, and I really, truly love it. Well,
0: I can attest to that. I saw it uh, a number of times. You know, kid might only get in the game for 90 seconds, but uh, you got – uh, the maximum of his ability in that 90 second uh, period. Just uh, it's great watching you coach with kids. Ernest, we've kind of come to the end of the podcast, and we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. You know, you're a master AD, and now you're getting ready to send a brand new athletic director out on their first position. But I'm only going to let you put three items in their toolbox. What's going to go in Ernest Robertson Jr.'s toolbox,
1: um, for me, it's a no-brainer. Um, there are going to be three things. Number one, I think you have to keep positive quotes. Uh, you know that that's around your student and your health. You have to keep that in your life, um, so you can stay healthy, stay positive, have a clear mind every day when you walk in your office. You should have something that you look at, either your goal list or some positive statement that remind you why you do what you do because you're gonna be challenged. So I would say have that in mind and make sure that's in your office every day. Um, I would say have a great support staff, make sure you have people around you that can carry out your vision, people around you that support you, have great coaches that understand how to manage a team, how to help hire good assistant coaches that will also make your job easy. And the third, and what I think is the most important thing I put in that toolbox, is make sure you have the full support of the leadership, of the head of school, of the leadership team. Make sure that what you do, your values, are aligned with the school. I see that a lot with ADs that I help mentor. Their values don't align. That's going to be critical. If their values don't align, I wouldn't take the job because if you're in a school simply to win as an athletic director (laughs) and the values of the school are education-based and to teach kids and teach lessons, not saying you can't win and do both, it's going to be very difficult, very difficult. And if you come in with an education-based platform and all the institution wants to do is win games (laughs) and get high-profile athletes, those values don't line up and you're going to struggle. People are going to think you're you're not going to, You don't know what you're doing. So people want to mimic what we do so close to the universities, the way they uh, hire and fire uh, coaches and athletic directors. uh, It's not the same. So I would say thirdly, make sure you have the support of the leadership and the head of school or the principal and make sure that their values, the institution values, the principal's values, line up with your values. That will make your job much easier, be much more rewarding. And most of all, less stressful.
0: Absolutely. Great, uh, great advice. Ernest, thanks so much for uh, being on the program today. Really enjoyed the visit. And uh, want to wish you all the best with this uh, new opportunity.
1: Thank you, Jake. I appreciate you having me. Again, good luck to you. And you know you can call me anytime uh, I can help with anything. I'm, I'm ready to do it. Thank you so much.
0: Uh, absolutely. Looking forward to the next chance we get to uh, present together at uh, NIAAA. Well, listeners, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, Come back again next time for another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Educational AD Podcast. I want to remind you that the Zoom recording of this interview is also available on YouTube on the Educational AD channel. Thanks again for listening.